Turn, if you would, this morning to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. It is good to be reminded of your blood. It's good to be reminded of the effectiveness of your blood, and we're thankful for the fact that you were willing to shed that on our behalf. God, I pray that you would help us this morning to uh, take take this time uh, that we have in your word, Lord, that we would take it to heart, and Lord, that we would apply it however we would need to. I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. I know that most of you know this. I'm just going to say it very quickly, though. Last week, we enjoyed the preaching of Brother McCracken, so it's been a couple of weeks since we've been in our study of James, and because of the time and the Uh, removal or the separation from the text. I just want to remind us very quickly of what's kind of been talked about in the previous messages because we're new in this study, uh, relatively speaking. So as James began writing this letter, we know that he began talking about the trials and the difficulties of life that every person must face, that every person must go through. And as a result of those testings and as a result of those trials, we watched as James spoke of what our attitude should be like during those times. He said it's something that we should rejoice in or it's something that we should glory in because the testings and the trials of this life, if we respond correctly, it will accomplish certain things and it will produce certain things in our lives. And so I want to remind us very quickly of what James said those testings and trials will produce in our lives. He said that it is through the testings and the trials of life that we grow and we are made more mature in our walk with God. He said it's because of the trials and the testings of life that we are reminded of the brevity of this life and the fact that we'll not live here forever. And it's also during the testings and the trials of this life that we are reminded of what truly matters in life. And whenever we're reminded of what truly matters and we're we're able to separate that from that which does not truly matter, then we are able to enjoy life more significantly and in a more full fashion. And so while it can be difficult to rejoice in the midst of difficulties, it's something that we need to work on by way of our attitude, by way of our spirit, so that we can get everything from those moments in our lives that God has intended us to receive. That in mind, this morning we're going to continue. And as we do, I just want to have us think about something. And and as we get into this message, I'm going to say what I have said in times past in different occasions. This sermon may seem a little bit different throughout the sermon, throughout the development of it, and and you may leave here this morning saying, well, yeah, that, that was different, and I'm okay with that. I, I want us to really engage the mind this morning, okay? I want us to engage the mind and really give attention to what the Scripture is saying because it is so important that we get a hold of this. I was reminded of this truth this week, and it was a help to me, and I think it'll be a help to you as well. But this morning, I want you to imagine for just a moment that you have walked into a building, you have walked into some kind of a facility, something maybe similar to our church, and and you may notice that on the ceiling tile, there's one or two ceiling tiles that are not the white color that would normally be expected but you see some kind of discoloration. You see some kind of a difference in in the color. And what you realize is on that particular ceiling tile, you have a brown color or you have a light tan. 
you have something that lets it be known to anybody who knows anything about ceiling tile, that was not the way it was created. That was not the way it was made. And so if somebody were to look at that, they may say, you know, that's ugly, that's kind of an eyesore. And so here's what we need to do. We need to replace that ceiling tile. We need to put a new one in and let it match everything else. But here is what most of us know, that probably the discoloration that was found on that ceiling tile was most likely the result of some kind of a roof leak that over time made its way in, made its way down through the attic area and was able to get on that particular ceiling tile. And so if a person simply changes out the ceiling tile, here's what we know, that you have a temporary fix to a bigger problem. Amen. You understand that, right? That, that if all a person does, and in order to try to make things more aesthetically pleasing, if all that individual does is change out the ceiling tile, they have made things look better for a while. But what do we know? We know that at some point when the next rain comes, more water is going to leak in. It will most likely find its way to that same general area, and you are going to have the same problem reappear, you're going to have that same problem manifest itself, and you can continue changing out the ceiling tiles all you want. But the only way that it'll ever truly be solved and the only way that it'll over, ever be truly resolved is if you do what? If you repair the leak. Amen. This is fairly simple, is it not? The only way to really resolve the, the problem that everyone can see is if you are willing to resolve the problem that very few people would ever be able to see. As you think about that principle, this morning I'm just going to come right out and let you know that that we're going to be dealing this morning with the subject of sin. And as we deal with the subject of sin, I, I want us to think about this, that you and I were pretty good about thinking, or we're pretty good at, at thinking about big things being issues of sin. Would you agree? You say, I don't know what you mean. So let's just think about this. Is murder a sin? Well, of course it is. I mean, sin is certainly something that could be defined, or, or murder would certainly be uh, something that would fall into the category of sin. Uh, would robbery be something that we would identify as sin? Well, of course. Uh, there are many things that, that we could talk about that are, are sinful by nature, that are sinful in their activity, but this morning, as we're going to delve into the subject of sin, I don't want us to think about sins that most of us will probably not ever be guilty of by way of murder or theft, robbery, things of that nature. I want us to think of things that you and I might find ourselves guilty of by way of sin at different times in our lives. I'm going to name a few. I'm going to give us some thoughts to consider. I trust you know this, that I'm not going to be able to list every sin known to man. 
But if I don't hit yours, here's what I know. The Holy Spirit is pretty good at saying, hey, this is something you deal with and this is something you struggle with. And I know this, that not one of us are sitting here saying, I really don't struggle with anything. I really don't have any sin issues in my life. No, we've all got sin issues. Let's listen, please. We've all got sin issues, so let's think about it. What could be sins that that everyday, normal, church-going, God-fearing people struggle with? I've just got these listed. There's no particular order to them. Like this is greater than another one or this is less significant than another one. What about the sin of anger? Because an unrighteous anger is just that. It is unrighteous, isn't it? So a person could have anger issues. A person could certainly have temper issues. And that is certainly a sin, no doubt. When people do not exercise control over their emotions, such as anger and rage and their temper, that is an issue of sin. What about the sin of ungodly conversation? You and I, if we're honest, we know what ought to come out of our mouths by way of conversation, do we not? We know if if that should have been said in that particular moment. We know if we should have expressed ourselves in that particular way. We know if we really had any business talking about that. And, And many times, here's what we know, that that did not need to come out of our mouths. That was ungodly conversation. What about the subject of immorality? So I thought you said we were just going to talk about things that we would possibly struggle with. Exactly. The issue of immorality. You say, like what? Well, like the issue of fornication. That is something that is still very much a part of the problem, even in church-going people's lives, the sin of fornication, uh, certainly the sin of adultery. I mean, let's not act like adultery does not take place in our churches today. Adultery takes place in our churches today. What about the sin of pornography? That would certainly be a moral failure. I mean, the pornography industry is a big, money-making, big-time industry, and there are many of God's people, unfortunately, who are ensnared with this issue of pornography. Somebody may say, well, I've never committed adultery. I've never done anything like that. Maybe not physically, but what about the mental or the emotional aspect of it? For it to be something that someone dwells upon and entertains in the mind, friends, in the eyes of God, in the sight of God, that is as much of a sinful act as the physical act. Will the consequences be different? Yes, but it does not negate the fact that that is a sinful act. What about this? Addictions to substances. Here we go. Well, think about this. To be addicted to nicotine, that is a sin. To be addicted to alcohol, That is a sin. To be addicted to food, 
is a sin. so easy to say alcohol, tobacco products, terrible. They are. So is food left unchecked. What about the sin of obstinance, rebellion, bad attitude, lack of a teachable spirit? That's not a godly characteristic. That would be a sinful characteristic. Correct? What about the sin of doubt and disbelief and a lack of faith? That too would be sin, would it not? I mean, it would be so easy for me to talk about the sin of murder and the sin of, a, uh, of robbery and the sin of, of child abuse and, and whatever you'd like to put there. But, but if we think about it, sin encompasses so many other things, things that many times you and I are guilty of. So again, whether it be our temper, our anger, our rage, our, our ungodly conversation, immorality, a lack of faith, an obstinate, rebellious, unteachable spirit, whatever it is, there are so many sins out there available to you and I. Now, I want to remind us of something this morning. I know you know this, but I think it needs to be said just by way of introduction into the text and where we're headed. But we need to be reminded that sin is still an offense to a holy and righteous God. My sin and your sin is an offense to a holy, righteous God. So I don't care what your struggle is. I don't care what your sin issue would be. I don't care. I don't care what mine is. And we're going to touch on this in just a couple of moments. It doesn't matter what our issue is. It is an offense to God. We'll see this next week that there is a consequence to the sin. But this morning I want us to be reminded of this, that because of God's holiness and because of God's righteousness, He has not grown to a place where He is now acceptant of whatever sin we engage in in our lives. So if it's the sin of obstinance, if it's the sin of doubt, if it's the sin of, uh, of, of whatever you want to put there, that is something because of the nature of God, those actions still serve as an offense to Him. So that in mind, I want us to look this morning as to what James says in verse number 13 of chapter 1. He's trying to help them understand some things, it appears, and it appears he's trying to help them in this particular area because they obviously need some help because their thought process isn't real sound, isn't real solid. But he says in verse number 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. 
So James is dealing with now the subject of temptation, not from the perspective of being tested or tried or going through difficult times, but now he is talking about the temptation to sin and consequently the failure when people give in to those particular sins or temptations. He says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. So apparently in James's day, there were those who said that what was happening by way of temptation was the result of what God was doing in their lives. Now, I think James and the Scripture would bear this truth out that God allows individuals to be tempted, but James makes it clear that when it comes to the temptation to sin, God is not responsible for the temptation. So he says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. He explains why. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. I don't know if we ever think about this. I know it's not something that is a part of my regular thought process, but God is incapable of being touched with the temptation to sin. It's not something that God has to deal with. It's not something that God has to struggle with. And because of God's nature and because of, God, because of who God is, it's not something that he is going to try to bring upon us to see where we're at spiritually. He is not going to tempt us to sin because James says he cannot himself be tempted to sin. But we are tempted, are we not? We are tempted to sin, and let's be honest, every one of us, we give in to those temptations from time to time. Every one of us have failed in those, in those moments, in those encounters, in those situations, however you'd like to define it. Every one of us have been tempted to sin, and we have given in to that temptation. And so what James is going to do in verse number 14 is he is going to explain why you and I sin in the manner in which we do. So in verse number 14, here's what he says. He says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. What does it mean to be drawn away? Well, it's kind of like the idea of being led away or, or being drawn to something. The word is pretty self-explanatory, but I want us to see this. He said, when he is drawn away of his own lust. Here's what James does. He makes that lust or that desire or that craving very personal. You know what James is saying? He is saying this, every one of us have our own problem areas. Every one of us have our own struggles and issues that we deal with. Yes, sin is the bigger picture, but the specifics of that sin, they are going to vary among every one of us. He says, here is what happens. We are tempted and consequently or, or, or eventually fail because we are drawn away because of our own lust, our own desires, and we are enticed. It's the idea of like a bait or a hook. And what happens is, is because of our flesh and what we naturally struggle with, here is what we do. 
We go after it, and then that is when the sin manifests itself in our lives. Now think about this. Because sin is a personal issue, I know I've said it. I know I've said it in the past, but I'm going to say it again. Your struggle may not be my struggle, and my struggle may not be your struggle. But every one of us have desires and lust that show themselves or appear in our lives, and it's then, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves falling into the temptation to sin. Now think about this for just a moment. I'm just going to try to be candid. I'm just going to try to be honest. And if this is too repetitive for us, I apologize. But I, I want us to see this. See, I can look at someone who is addicted to nicotine. And here's what I can honestly say, that as of right now, as of right now, I don't foresee that being one of my struggles. I can go into a convenience store, I can check out at the, at the grocery store, and I can see cigarettes all over the place. And you know what? It doesn't entice me for a moment. It has no draw to me whatsoever. But you know what I could very well be purchasing while completely ignoring that? my candy bars, my sodas, and all the other foods that have control over me. You say, Brother Kyle, are you actually equating food to nicotine? If I have no control over it, then yes. If I can't control that, and it has control over me, then then that is my struggle, though it may not be your struggle. I think I've said before that profanity is not really one of my struggles. It's not something that I resort to in anger. It's not something that I resort to when I'm with the guys. It's, it's not something that is, is a part of who I am right now. I'm not saying that it couldn't ever be. I, I'm just saying right now, that's not one of my struggles. But there are plenty of other things that come out of my mouth that ought not come out of my mouth. And it's no better than the profanity that may come out of someone's mouth. We understand this? We all have our own lust. We all have our own desires and our own cravings. We all have these things that appeal to our flesh. It may not appeal to your flesh, but it appeals to someone's, and what appeals to you may not appeal to someone else. But James says every one of us have this struggle. Every one of us. So you may sit here this morning, and, and this is what happens sometimes, okay? Sometimes people sit in a church service and, and they say things like this, if they only knew what my struggle was, they wouldn't even accept me. Well, 
listen, you may feel that way, but you need to know that there's not anyone in this room who does not have some set of struggles. We've all got our own struggles when it comes to sin issues. And for the person who may sit here and say, well, you know, Brother Kyle, I've reached a point in my spiritual life where I really don't have struggles with the flesh, you're not being honest with yourself. You're simply not being honest with yourself because every one of us, so long as we are inhabiting this sinful flesh, we are going to have our own set of lusts, our own set of desires, and our cravings that Satan will strive to tempt us with in hopes that we'll take the bait and fail and fail miserably. So we understand this? Let no man say when he is tempted that he is tempted of God. For this reason, God cannot be tempted with sin, and neither will he tempt any man. But men, you and I, we are tempted when we are drawn away with our own lust, our own desires, and we're enticed with the bait that is presented in this world. So as we think about that, I want us to give some attention to this thought. How many of us have ever realized this recurring struggle in our lives? Whatever the sin may be, let, let's listen. Whatever the sin may be, how many of us have ever seen this recurring theme in our lives? Here I am after all these years and I'm still struggling with X, Y, or Z, fill in the blank, whatever it is. I'm still struggling with my attitude. I'm still struggling with my obstinate spirit. I'm still struggling with my doubt. I'm still struggling with my addiction, whatever it is. I'm still struggling with, with this, whatever that is. How many of us have ever said something like this? God, I'm sorry for that sin. Have we ever said that? God, please forgive me for saying that. God, please forgive me for doing that. God, please forgive me for, for this attitude. God, please forgive me for my doubt. God, please forgive me for this. And then we find ourselves sometime later saying the exact same thing. Have we ever done that? Well, every one of us have done that. You know why we oftentimes find ourselves asking for forgiveness for the exact same thing? You know why we're doing that? Let's go back to the principle or the illustration for just a moment. It's because many times in our spiritual lives, here's what we're doing we're addressing the dirty ceiling tile and not actually addressing the issue. Does this make sense? Amen. See, it's kind of like this. Ah, oh, I said something I shouldn't have said. God, I'm sorry. Okay, that's good that we said we're sorry. It needs to be apologized for. It needs to be admitted and acknowledged and, and hopefully forsaken 
But if we don't deal with the real problem, you know what's going to happen? It's going to manifest itself in the same way at some point in the future. It's kind of like in order to fix the ceiling tile problem, you got to fix the leak in the roof. And that's hard. That's difficult. That requires a lot more effort. It requires a lot more energy, so it's easier to just slap another ceiling tile up there. Well, friends, that's what happens in our spiritual lives so many times. I'm as guilty of this as anyone could be. I do something. I say something. I have a thought that I shouldn't think, whatever it is. And I say, God, I'm sorry for that. But here's what the text reminds me of. So many times I'm not addressing the real source of my problem. I'm just addressing the result of the source of my problem. And if I want to get victory over my sin, then I have to be willing to address the cause and not just the manifestation of the sin. Does this make sense? See, the problem is not necessarily the temptation in and of itself because we're all going to be tested and tempted. The problem is whenever I let myself succumb to the temptation because of my desires or my lust or my cravings that I've not been willing to address. I'm just going to illustrate this, and if this is boring or monotonous to you, I apologize, but I I think it'll be a help to some of us, so I'm just going to go ahead and do this. Why am I really addicted to this? Fill in the blank. Whether it be alcohol, whether it be tobacco, whether it be some other substance that I wouldn't even think to speak of this morning, or or whether it be the cheeseburger that, that I can't seem to, to quit, why am I addicted to this and thus dealing with the consequences of that in my life? What is that really the result of? It's really the result of a lack of self-control. You understand this? The substance is not the problem. That's just the manifestation of the problem. The problem is, is I don't lack or I don't have the control over my body in the way that I ought with the Lord's help until I am willing to address the real problem. The problem will continue to manifest itself in my life. Now you may say, this is so boring. Well, do we want victory over sin or do we want to keep saying, God, I'm sorry for the same thing over and over and over and over again? Place your body under subjection. Place your body under authority. Don't let the cravings of your flesh control you. You and I ought to control it. 
If we did that, most of us wouldn't struggle with the addictions that we struggle with. God, I'm so sorry for being self-righteous and critical again. Again, I find myself, Lord, saying, I'm sorry, self-righteous, critical spirit, just being puffed up. God, I'm sorry. Okay, that's fine to say that, but what is the cause of that? What is it that's producing the self-righteous, critical spirit in us if that's our struggle? Because that's just a manifestation of a bigger issue. Why would I be self-righteous? Why would I be critical? Why would you be self-righteous? Why would you be critical? Why would we do that? You know what it really boils down to more times than not? It's because we're convinced that we have all the answers and that we're right and everybody just ought to do it just like us. But that takes some serious effort to begin addressing that issue as opposed to just saying, Lord, I'm sorry for the critical spirit or the self-righteous attitude. Because then we have to really put the blame on ourselves that it's because I am proud and I am arrogant and that's what leads me to the attitude that I have. Why am I constantly butting heads with people? Say, man, you're confessing a lot. No, I'm, I'm asking this somewhat open-ended, like, you know, why am I? Why are you? Whoever this might be a struggle with, why am I butting heads with people all the time? That's the manifestation of a deeper problem. We're arrogant. We're proud. Again, we think we're always right. We think that our opinion always has to be made known. We, we think that everybody has to hear what we want to say. And that's why many times we're butting heads. It's not because it needs to happen, but because of our sinful flesh that we don't really want to address. It produces that. That's what our flesh desires. That's what our flesh lusts after. And that's what Satan is able to entice us with. He throws out the little bit of bait and, and we're dumb sometimes and we just jump on it not realizing what it's going to do to us. Why don't I have a more teachable spirit? Why do I have a hard time submitting to authority? Because of deeper personal issues. Sin issues that have yet to be addressed. Why do I look at this? Why do I watch this? Why do I think about that? Because you're not addressing the real issue. 
getting the thoughts under the control, doing what needs to be done to get the real victory over this, it continues to occur in our lives because we don't really address the issue. Why do I doubt God so much? Why do I struggle to trust God so much? Why, why am I saying over and over again, God, forgive me for doubting you? You know why that is so many times? Because we are so wrapped up in self-confidence that it takes another situation to remind us that we're not able to take care of everything in life. And until I'm willing to recognize my total dependence upon God, I will continue to doubt his faithfulness in my life. See, this issue of sin, not just the big, bad, ugly sins, but these everyday sins that you and I struggle with, you know why we fail so many times? You know why we fail over and over and over again and we're saying sorry for the same things over and over again? You know why that is? It's because we're not addressing the real issue. What's leading me away is my own personal lust. It is my own personal desires. It is my own personal cravings. These are the things that my flesh struggles with, and it's because Satan knows what I struggle with that he lays the bait out there. But if I'm not willing to address the real issue, I'll take the bait every time only to be frustrated and disappointed in myself again at some point in the future. I know I may not have spoke of your struggle today. I, I know that I may not have mentioned what you could identify as that problem area in your life. I know that. But here's what I know. You know good and well, just like I know good and well, what seems to be a recurring struggle. And this morning, all I'm trying to do is, is show us Here's why we keep failing. Here's why we keep doing it. Because if we're not willing to address the lust, if we're not willing to address the desires that we have, we'll continue to fail and then continue to try to make things right, only to fail again, only to try to make things right. We must be willing to dig deep. We must be willing to go to those hard places of our spiritual lives and say, God, show me why this continues to be a problem. God, why does this continue to be an issue? And, and you know what he'll reveal more times than not? It's not because of someone else or something else. It's because of something that we're not getting squared away with in our relationship with him. I need this as much as any of you could need this. The reminder of I can either fix the problem temporarily or I can be willing to do the work with the grace of God and get real victory 
but it's up to me and it's up to you. You've got to decide, I've got to decide, and it's not just a one-time decision we make. It is a decision we have to make over and over and over again. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. Lord, there is no way that I can do the work that you can do. God, only you can speak to our hearts in the way that we need to be spoken to. But God, I pray that you'd help each of us to admit that we've got struggles with sin in our lives, no matter how much we want to pretend we don't. God, every one of us know that there's this recurring issue, and if, if we can't identify some of those, then our pride is certainly one that needs to be addressed. But God, if you've brought something to our minds today, if you've, if you've shown us something today that, that is an issue in our lives, I pray that you'd help us today to admit that the only way that it'll be resolved is if we really go to the core part of the problem, and that being ourselves and the lack of self-control that we want to exercise in that particular area. God, I need your help, and I believe every one of us needs your help to be willing to go to the root of the problem in the, in the issues of our sin. I pray that you'd help us today. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.